watching all movies with Rebecca and Jason. Are you gonna love them or hate them? Here comes the binge. Hey everybody, welcome to the Binge Movie Podcast, where a couple of homos review the latest movie theater releases from our own queer-ass perspectives. My name is Jason Leroy. My name is Rebecca Olarte, and oh, what a special week it is. Woo! It is a special week because Rebecca did an interview. Oh, oh, that's not what I meant. I meant we have two interviews and a regular episode. Yes, and also Rebecca did an interview. I did do an interview. She My did her first interview, guys. First interview. Oh, couldn't be prouder. Oh, thanks. Oh. You you helped me out through the whole thing. You yeah. provide you were my emotional rock. You know, you were Chris Rock, you were it, an asshole about the whole thing. And you were exhausting <laughs> to deal with, but I tried my best to keep up <laughs> answer every goddamn email. <laughs> my emotions are confusing. <laughs> they are. They're unpredictable to me. I don't understand them, but uh, but yeah, so this week Rebecca sat down for a one-on-one with a woman who has made a very, very, very important documentary. Mm-hmm. Rebecca, uh, the movie is called Trapped. Um, it is it's about the trap laws, which are uh, targeted regulation of abortion providers. It takes place uh, in the South, kind of telling the story of these clinics and the people who work there and their fight to try to stay open as these laws target them and um, really just push for them to close. So um, she also directed a movie called Gideon's Army, which was another award-winning um, story about uh, public defenders in the South who are also fighting an uphill battle. Um, they have caseloads of like 150 cases at a time. Um, and so she, she champions these uh, heroes, these people who work tirelessly for... Um, to help the victims of either sexual abuse or just, you know, of these uh, laws. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's a very powerful movie. It's very important. Right now there is a case uh, for one of the clinics that's at the Supreme Court. Um, They, I think it was March 2nd, um, uh, went ahead and and presented their case, and we'll be hearing more about it, I believe, in June or July. Um, But it's very, it's very relevant. Um, This movie opens your eyes. Uh, It's very important to see. Mm. Um, So yeah, and it was, was, she was a a really wonderful person to speak with. That's awesome. And some of you guys may be familiar with this movie from uh, Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. Right. Uh, He did, uh, he did one of his main stories. One episode was about trap laws and he featured extensive footage from this documentary mm-hmm. he did. Uh, that was directed by Don Porter, our interview subject today. Uh, so you like the documentary. You think it was well done, well put together? Absolutely. Well put together. Uh, told a story clearly. Um, I think it really, it paints the human story of what these laws do. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's pretty clear in it. And again, it, it really shows you the people that are working uh, to do their best uh, against these regulations. How do you feel someone would would approach the movie if they mm, let's say someone was either undecided about abortion rights or mm-hmm. was pro-life how would they feel watching this movie so i want to i actually want to just take the stance that john oliver did when he did his mm. segment he was like there's a small percentage percentage of you who are completely against abortion in all cases and right if that's the case good like don't worry about it goodbye right um but for all of you who are on this somewhere on the spectrum of sometimes it's okay or it should always be okay mm-hmm. this is very important to see because i think everyone just assumes you know roe v wade um abortion is legal but that's not the case these laws are chipping away mm-hmm. at what what legal is by prevent preventing um access 
So it's like, sure, abortion is legal, but we, you just can't get to any clinics because they don't exist. Mm. So if you are at all on the fence or um, unless, I guess, unless you're completely against it in all circumstances, um, then it might not be for you. And neither but is this podcast, then, by the way. <laughs> so. Absolutely. Bye, guys. See ya. Um, this is also going to be our pick of the week. Yep. Um, we're going to skip the song this time because it's a very serious topic. <laughs> Our apologies to Light Fiction. <laughs> Our apologies. Um, any more questions? You're asking me questions. This yes. is a, quite a yes, yes, role I play am. switch. Uh, do you feel like the film does a great job of explaining what's happening in a way that really anyone could just sit down and watch this and be like, oh, okay, like I, 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 I get what this is about. I get what the problems are. I get what the, uh, the situation is. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that uh, part of why the why this isn't maybe more well known is because these uh laws are vague um and they're you know they're written in jargon so this takes you through an example of how this affects everyday people Mm. um and in that way illustrates exactly what the repercussions are Mm. is there a call to action in the movie is it does it get does it leave you with sort of like and now if you care if you are spurred onto action which Mm -hmm. it sounds like anyone would be watching this movie right. you would just be like what what can we do about this and i don't know if this comes up in the interview at all it does come up in the interview oh well That's great exact question well maybe we can just wait for that then Let's just wait for the interview jason i'm sorry <laughs> all right well maybe we should just get to the interview let's then. just play the interview and for this interview we're just going to run the whole thing through it kind of kind of goes as a conversation so we're not going to sort of skip it up so we'll see you on the other side Enjoy, guys. Um, so, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. Thank you for having me. Um, I, I saw Trapped close to uh, watching Gideon's Army. Oh, I um, like my whole body of work. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. It was, um, it's an interesting set of, uh, of back-to-back movies. It reminds yeah. me of one time I watched Dancer in the Dark and The Machinist at the yeah. same time. So it was very, like, um, infuriating, and, and but also enlightening. Um, but so there are some common threads between the movies. Yeah. Um, and oh, I'm so happy you're asking about that. Oh, good. Yeah. When you when you hear these stories, mm-hmm. um, do you think so? There's a flaw in the system, and in both stories, there's a group of people who are dedicating their lives to like helping mm-hmm. the victims of these flaws uh, hurt. Yeah. When you see the story, do you think about the flaw, or do you think there's somebody here um, working? Like, what what comes to you first? As um, the I always think about the person person yeah um you know i really love movies that are about people mm-hmm. i think people are kind of endlessly fascinating yeah. um and i also think um so many of us um you know we've become this country of labels yes <laughs> and labels don't tell you that much mm-hmm. you know they tell you something but um i feel like there's more commonality with a lot of us than we know mm-hmm. And so what I'm really interested in is I'm just kind of I'm obviously interested in the issues and the topics and that kind of frames who you're drawn to. But then I found myself both for the public defenders and for the abortion providers thinking, why in God's name would anybody do these jobs? And so the question that was constantly in my head as I was asking all the interview questions, picking where to film them was what is driving them? What is motivating them? And that's, you know, that's what the film is an exploration of. Mm -hmm. So for Gideon's Army, the question that the public defenders get a lot is how can you represent those people? And I kind of wanted to turn it to, you know, how can you? (laughs) Right, right. What does that feel like if you want to do a good job, but the system is so messed up? 
what does it feel like to work with those constraints? And I think it's the same for the abortion providers. You know, I didn't have an abortion, so I had never been in a clinic. Mm -hmm. And as much influenced by the negative descriptions of clinics as anyone. And I I didn't realize that until I started filming there. And I was nervous. I was nervous walking in. I was... Mm -hmm. I was nervous. I hadn't ever seen a procedure. You know, so there was just some benefit to just kind of figuring out who they are as people. And then, like, you kind of see their strength, and then you try and explore how it manifests. One unexpected thread is that both groups of people have a community mm-hmm. that helps support them in the in Gideon's Army with the Southern mm-hmm. Defenders yes. Association. And here it's kind of just like an ad hoc group of friends yeah. that they've become as allies. Um, how important do you think that is for those those people that are fighting this in, you know, insurmountable yeah. battle? Yeah, you know, I think it's really, really critical. Um, at first with Gideon's Army, I thought that the whole movie was going to be about that support group. And I kind of oh. wanted it to be that. <laughs> And then, you know, so I went to every meeting they had every six months. We went there and filmed. And then I realized, you know, the story was just as much about the lawyers and like kind of they would get their helpful boost. And then they would but they were almost and that's part of the reason for the name is like they were gearing up to fight, you know, and they really did have to fight. Um And for the abortion providers, it's so much the same thing. I mean, when you provide abortions in the South, everywhere it's dangerous to be a clinic operator, you know, and they kind of acknowledge the danger, but they don't let it paralyze them. But in the South, it's also a daily, you don't talk about what you do. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, people's children have been targeted. Uh, June Ayers has security cameras in her house because people have threatened her at home. So... You never get to leave your work. If you choose to do it, you're all in. You know, and one of the providers said that. He's like, it's not like a sometimes I'm an abortion provider if you live here. You're like, this is who I am. But it can be very isolating. So one of the things that does emerge is when these people find one another, it's it's really critical to them to be able to stand up. And I think that that's the same for all of us. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I'm, I think that we're social beings. And for better or worse, we like to have friends. <laughs> Yeah. And we like to yeah. to be in groups. And so when you do something that goes against the grain of the group, but you're not a person who would, you know, is antagonistic. Right. Um, I think that's really interesting exploration of human behavior. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of a tension that I think comes out in both movies. Um, and that's something that's like really interesting to me because I think I personally have not always gone against the grain. You know, my father was a photographer um, and lived in kind of this arty space. And so I became a lawyer. <laughs> and but being a lawyer, I, I was fine. I was not a miserable lawyer. You know, I wasn't like working for asbestos companies or something, but I wasn't like truly like fully authentically myself either. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in every job I had since the legal firm job, um, I've gotten closer until now I feel like like this is who I am like for real like this is but I'm still exploring can I be a person who wants to have a marble countertop and be an, yeah. act, an activist you know like am I not as good of an activist because my kids in private school you know what I mean right. like yeah. like there's there I, and I think it's important to, to constantly evaluate but that's why what I mean by you know you don't always know if you just look at the labels right something real about the person and I feel like in this political era like we need to have real connections with people um so 
so they're kind of in a in a bubble where they have each other for support, and then they're mm-hmm. sort of surrounded immediately by hate protesters. Yeah. You know, again, like we were saying, not being able to tell people with where they work, and then sort of outside of that, you have like us here in San Francisco, <laughs> where you know we're talk about a bubble. S- yeah, yeah, another <laughs> a separate bubble where a lot of people are very supportive, and mm-hmm. they'll see this film and they'll they'll kind of think, what can I do? Like, how can yeah. I help? How can I you know jump that gap and like let them know that there are more people out there that care about what they're doing and are grateful and thankful. Do you yeah. think that, did you gather that there's any way that, that we could do something like that? Oh my gosh. Um, the bubble is really thin. Okay. <laughs> and, you know, the walls are closing in. Um, this is a national issue. Mm-hmm. And if reproductive rights are not protected around the country, it's not just about abortion access. It's actually about a political system mm-hmm. um, that uh, victimizes anybody who does not meet a very small, you know, standard. So, um, when I first started making this movie, I don't know if you've seen the movie The Case Against Eight. Um, yes. Yeah. Um, I actually modeled it on Case Against Eight, okay. and I really wanted to because I thought what those lawyers did um, for gay marriage was kind of a blueprint. You know, if we can turn the country on gay marriage, mm-hmm. then there's got to be a way that we can talk about abortion. Right. <laughs> right? Um, and that is such a hopeful and beautiful movie. Mm-hmm. And I remember watching that movie um, at a festival, and this is why I love festivals, and I just, like, started, like, crying so much because what that movie did is it made people the center, not yeah. a bill. Yeah. And, and that's what it's about, right? It's about people. Mm-hmm. And that and it's like everybody's freedom is everybody's responsibility. Mm-hmm. You know, like just because I'm okay today doesn't mean that I'm going to be okay tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that somebody else doesn't desperately need me. Right. So, um, so at first I really wanted to film with the lawyers as they worked through with their clients. And then the lawyers just wouldn't let me. <laughs> I, sh- <laughs> I showed them Case Against Aid. I was like, you know, like this, this should be our model. So what people can do... Um, but, but the other thing I want to focus on is, is the way that the reason I, I st- structured Trapped this way is because it's not just about abortion. It's about a political system. The, right. You know, the reason we have Donald Trump and his, his discussion of hate. Um, and by the way, you know, we're so obsessed with Donald Trump's discussion that we don't talk about the horrible, horrific things that Ted Cruz and Marco Rubio. Sure. Bec- now they're mainstream. Yeah. People yeah, who are yeah. anti-choice, homophobic, like have said racist things, like and are against poor people, yeah. are mainstream. Yeah, and that's a problem. Yeah, as the right has pushed further, then the mainstream shifts. Exactly. Even more right. Exactly. So you know, for me, what I wanted to the the frame of the film is there are conservative evangelical legislators who would deprive millions and millions of people of civil rights if they had their way. Mm-hmm. And what they're doing in abortion access is the same tactic that they are doing on race, on voting rights, sure. um, on so many other incarceration. issues. Incarceration. Yeah. Exactly. So that political power mm-hmm. is what we should be focused on. And it is not just abortion access. And that political power is um, a nationwide issue. Yeah. So what people here can do, despite the fact that there is good access in many parts of California, but not all, is find out what's happening for your local abortion provider. Even if it's legal, um, it, abortion providers are still at physical risk. You can be a clinic escort um, because there are protesters everywhere. 
Um, you can find out what your providers need. You can write uh, to your legislator and make sure that he or she knows, um, or they, it's my son's agender, I'm supposed to say they now, they. Um, uh, or they know that you are so strongly in favor of laws that um, help protect people who need these services. Mm-hmm. But I think the, the biggest thing is to pay attention. You yeah. know, look at the trends and don't stay in the bubble. I started making this film because I was in Mississippi. I read that there was one clinic and I was so appalled and shocked by that. And I felt like if I am a pro-choice, like civil rights, you know, person who's, and I had no idea that this was happening, Mm -hmm. how many people are there like me? Right. And that's why this film is so important. It's a way to, you know, it's a film, so it's, you know, it's not like a lot of hard work. You're not researching Mm -hmm. uh, the Supreme Court docket. You're you're watching uh, a, a film and... And you are exposing people to something that if they didn't know, now there's like no way you can't unknow, right? Um, right. And that's so important. You, I, then, I love that phrase. You can't unknow. And it's like <laughs> you putting the, the personal face to it and, and telling the story of the 13-year-old girl. Yeah. It's like, a, it's like an exercise that the politicians can't do because there is no real-life story of how their constrictive re- legislation is helping anybody, right? There's right. no like, oh, we have a story of someone who died on a gurney because of wall you know the room was there aren't enough. any because there aren't any <laughs> right exactly so you know that the, their argument is is theoretical mm-hmm. and ours is actual right you know um there's a, a brand new study that estimates between 100,000 and 240,000 women in texas alone have tried to self-abort wow so you wow. know th- there are dire real um, health consequences but also political structural consequences that mm-hmm. are happening today you mentioned actually. So you said before in one of your interviews, I believe, that you are a law nerd. You were, you are mm-hmm. a lawyer. We're a lawyer. Mm-hmm. Um, when you see this legislation go down and mm-hmm. you see this convoluted, are you at all like, that was clever? Yeah, like, this is diabolically clever. Yeah, like, no, I think it's actually brilliant. I mean, I think the strategy that has evolved has been twenty years in the making. This is not an accident that all of these right. laws are popping up now. Um, so Americans United for Life, all they wanted to do is overturn Roe v. Wade. You know, they are the Alec and Koch brothers of abortion access. Mm-hmm. So they draft model legislation. They pass it around to southern states um, and states in the Midwest. And, you know, what it's like throwing spaghetti at the wall. Whatever uh-huh. sticks works. And, and they're just a group of lawyers. Um, they are a group of activists and they hire lawyers. Uh, so okay. they get funded. They have evangelicals who fund them. Um, and so they draft these laws and they provide advice to, you know, so if you go on their very scary website, mm-hmm. um, you'll see the governor of Louisiana saying, I love Alec, you know, I love Americans United for Life. Thank you for your model legislation. It talks about how many states have passed the laws that they've drafted. So essentially they draft laws. They started, you know, there's personhood bills. The mm-hmm. fetus is a person. There's laws outlawing abortion at six weeks. That didn't work. 12 weeks. That didn't work 20 weeks that was successful mm-hmm. so you mm-hmm. start to have the walls close in and in and in um, these same people are anti uh, IVF they are anti IUD oh. um, all because they believe the fetus is a person they are anti um, just they're just anti they're just anti <laughs> they're just basically I'm like hey, I'm like what you for um, but all of these things taken together have like this slow encroaching, you know, so they've narrowed the field in a really brilliant way. So instead of talking about is abortion legal, we're talking about, okay, it's not legal after 20 weeks. 
Mm-hmm. And um, now we're going to start going after the people who provide. So first you have a situation where you have extremists killing doctors mm-hmm. or you have people harassing people in states. So you cut the number of providers locally, right. which means that you have to fly people in. So then you target the people who are flying in. You have to have admitting privileges at a local hospital. Mm-hmm. Oh, guess what? Nobody will grant them. So it's this crazy catch-22 that sounds reasonable, but they know that it's impossible to comply with. And that's what, so it's brilliant, you know, it's a brilliant strategy. So, um, and they're winning, you know, there's 27 states with some form of trap law. Because to defend Roe v. Wade, you're being reactionary. That's right. You can't, there's nothing, it's, it's... And it's vague. So what do you do? You chip away at things, like, you know, bit by bit. It's We're seeing the same thing with voting rights, you know? Yeah. You, you, you come up with things that are sustainable, and then by the time the, the liberal side is, you know, is really has galvanized public opinion, mm-hmm. um, they've marched so far down to now we're, we're playing defense. Right. You know? It is not an accident that the... Planned Parenthood videos were released then. There were a number of uh, decisions reversing conservative laws, Mm -hmm. striking them down. And right as that conversation started to shift, and also right as the Supreme Court was considering what case to take, Mm -hmm. you have the Planned Parenthood videos come out. Literally, like a day, like within days of the Supreme Court announcing that it was going to hear one of these cases. So then the entire news media is consumed with, you know, a horror scenario Mm -hmm. about abortion. That ends up being totally false. But But they put that out there and it's in people's minds. Abortion, baby parts. Abortion, baby parts. It's kind of brilliant, right? Yeah, yeah. They're moving on to like a PR strategy in addition to just a a legal strategy. Did you and your crew, did you feel threatened when you were making this film? Um, Sometimes, yes. Um... So I work a lot with a guy whose name is Chris Hillicky, and he's uh, he lives in Alabama. He's like the nicest, you know, guy. He's white. So we started doing this thing where I would send him, and because a lot of the uh, antis are white men and Southern, mm-hmm. and they would talk to him all the time. But um, Chris is really a lovely a lovely person. But so he was out with them one day, and they said to him, "Have you filmed an abortion?" And we had. And they said, you know, they hold hold up their hands like a foot apart. They're like, did they lay the babies out on the table oh after they? <laughs> and he said, well, it's a lot smaller than that. Wow. <laughs> but so then on a subsequent filming trip, um, and I had never spoken with them, never interviewed them. They were like, Dawn? And they totally knew who I was. Oh, wow. They did their research. I showed a small clip in North Carolina um, at the Full Frame festival an anti-choice activist was in the she she put my picture and she said hbo filmmaker turns her lens to kill the unborn or something crazy like mm-hmm. that um so you know they're not they're not kidding yeah <laughs> um and they're unpredictable but um I, I tried to take cues from the providers i'm like you know what um if they can come every day right. we can come but we took precautions you know we would um, each one of them has security. They work behind locked doors. They have security cameras. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we wouldn't let in people that didn't, we didn't know. Um, I know another filmmaker um, who was filming in Mississippi. Um, they slashed her tires. Oh, wow. And they keyed her car. It's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. 
So this question is a little kind of convoluted, um, but there's one part in the film where you see uh, a protester using the Black Lives Matter uh, phrase in, in, in a way to say that like uh, a black doctor who provides abortion is aborting black children and this is how can you how is this black lives matter all all black lives matter which was like a fun combination of it's the kind phrases. of brilliant right it's it's, yeah, our, right? it's my favorite use of black lives matter <laughs> ever so i mean when we anyway yes yeah um and then also again back to gideon's army um like there's definitely a, a class and a race that's being targeted by these laws I kind of don't understand why. Like, if you are, if you have enough money, you can still get an abortion, right? And these right. laws don't apply to you. If you can take the time off of work, and if you can fly to a city, or you know, stay in a nice hotel, um, the, these limitations don't necessarily apply to you. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's still more difficult because um, there are a lot of like insurance provider mm-hmm. questions and hospital that won't hospitals affiliated with churches. No, but you, you have but options. You and have also, options. you can you can leave a place where people are screaming at you, right now, um, and. Or you can afford a or lawyer. You, or you can afford, or your own doctor, if you're covered by insurance, can do an abortion and not be. Oh. So if you have private health insurance, your doctor can do an abortion. As long as they don't do a certain number in a year, they're not categorized as an abortionist. And then they're not. Oh, covered. there's a certain number that turns you into, into an, abortionist. an official abortionist. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I didn't know that. So if you don't do reach that number, and who's to say that somebody's, you know, DNC wasn't for fibroids? Right. Um, sure. So it's all in the coding. So if you're wealthier, you have more resources, you can avoid a lot of um, this targeting. Mm-hmm. What What do you think the logic is there? Sort of. You know, I wrestle with that um, uh, because I'm not like a big conspiracy theorist and I just don't think that they're organized enough to actually think I'm trying to subjugate black and poor women mm-hmm. um, right. and Latino women. But um, but it's kind of hard to ignore, right. you know. I do think that there is certainly a backlash to political power of women, minorities, that is being seen in these laws, you mm-hmm. know. I mean, the state of Mississippi flies the Confederate flag over the health department. <laughs> Um, there's just no doubt that, you know, in the clinics that I found, the overwhelming number of women who get abortions are white and most are Christian. Um, but when you see, when you think about public clinics where people just walk in, it's a cash business. Mm-hmm. Um, it is often low income women who have no other health insurance. I saw Dr. Parker, who I followed, um, do regular blood pressure checks, um, diabetes screening. Oh, like wow. He does because a lot of people had not seen a doctor. There's another thing that's very interesting. Um, in Alabama, in some other states, if uh, the patient is a minor, if her partner is more than two years older, it's a mandatory sex crime, punishable by felony, by prison, a serious prison time okay. for the boy. And the clinic is required to report... Um, that uh, pregnancy and abortion to uh, the prosecutors. Oh, wow. At risk of a year in jail if they don't report. So you have minority women. So if you have a 16-year-old and an 18-year-old, he is now a sex criminal and a potential felon. So it is another way of locking people up. Well, luckily he can get a public defender very easily. <laughs> <laughs> luckily there's tons of them running. But, you know, when you take yeah, all of yeah. these things together, so you have people who, um, you know, the same states that have refused to accept Obamacare 
mm-hmm. refuse to accept Medicaid assistance, don't have sex education, have some of the lowest educational performing standards around Mississippi, Texas is at the bottom, Alabama is at the bottom, Georgia is at the bottom. Um, these are the states that are passing these laws. So you have people right. who are, you know, unemployed, like, you know, can't get birth control or it's failed, um, can't get any insurance or help. And if they have, you know, a baby, they could also be a criminal. So, you know, when you take it all together. Yeah. It's hard not to think that the victim isn't necessarily the fetus or the abortion, but it's keeping black people in the South poor and in jail. Poor and jail and having kids and not having kids and not having um, economic opportunity, which would might lead you to do things like vote. Right. (laughs) Yes. I I do. I do think, you know, whether or not there's some coordinated effort, that is certainly the intent. And I, what I do think is quite clear is because the laws were aimed at this population without a lot of voting power, mm-hmm. that they they have um, gathered a lot of strength. Yeah, it's really smart to focus your laws at poor people, right? Because yeah. you know they you get really far. Yeah, absolutely. As this film comes out, we're in the Supreme Court. Are you are you keeping up, following up? I know you're tweeting. So about we it. were on um, the steps of the Supreme Court on the day of the argument. Um, it was actually one of the more exciting days of my life. Um, oh, wow. As a little like lawyer geek, <laughs> I went to Georgetown and I lived on Capitol Hill. So I used to walk across the steps of the court and I used to like think <laughs> maybe I'll argue someday. Literally, I was like such a little geek person. Um, <laughs> that sounds like the most terrifying thing ever. Doesn't like, it? Testifying for the Supreme Court. I know. So oh my gosh. I didn't get to do that, but I did get. There were about two thousand pro-choice activists, about a hundred anti-choice people. Um, and we had a podium and a rally and I got to address the crowd and it was, you know, it was really an empowering moment. So the, the, I read the briefs and the argument. Um, I think the on the law, this should be an easy case. Mm -hmm. Um, it's so clear that this is a burden and an undue burden, um, for abortion access, you know, but there are also politics at stake. So we will see. So our goal is to keep this conversation through this very noisy presidential mm-hmm. election where there are a lot of very important issues rightfully vying for people's attention um, to keep this as one of them. And so that's what our our campaign, um, we have a number of community screenings in addition to our theatrical release. Um, and right now we're up to 25 cities. Oh, is, excellent. Yeah. It's fantastic. It comes out March 18th here March in San Francisco. March 18th here in San Francisco. Um, and and uh, also over in... Um, Oakland, Berkeley. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. Um, The film was fantastic. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for making it. Um, That was so nice. Um, I couldn't have interviewed somebody more kind for my first time. That's great. I'm glad you had a nice lady to break you in. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Um, If you want to stay up to date with what's going on, uh, you can follow Trapped on Twitter. It's at TrappedDoc. Um, And you can also go to TrappedDocumentary.com. Um, be sure to see this movie. This is a very important situation. Um, as she mentioned, you know, what is what is one person's response? This is all of our responsibilities to take care of each other and their rights. That's it for this episode of The Binge. Um, be sure to follow Jason on Twitter at TheJasonLeroy. I'm at Fight Balance. And subscribe if you haven't already. And we're also at TheBinge.us. That's it, guys. Thanks a lot. Thanks, guys. Binging on movies with Rebecca and Jason. You made it to the end, that's amazing. There There goes goes the the binge. binge.